0: hello and welcome to the library Coven a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly why fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism why because talking about books is pretty magical I'm Jesse and I'm Kelly and sorry
1: I was just taking a sip of tea <laughs> <laughs> um, it's episode 80 we've made it! wow
0: congrats to us
1: congrats to us 80 whole books that we've reviewed in long form format used to be way longer form y'all we had some hour and 45 minute episodes back there so you don't need to go it's good to bring it down a bit (laughs) (laughs) we've cut it by about an hour so i'd say it's it's pretty good
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: so episode 80 i got distracted as i usually do um (laughs) we're discussing we're discussing beasts of prey by ayana gray coffee is that how you say your name Kofi. kofi okay kofi an indentured beast keeper with hidden powers and ikan a warrior in training with an empathetic side decide to work together to find the Shatani, a dangerous and powerful beast living in the jungle of course what they've been told by society is complete and total bs and so the two <laughs> teens have to choose between old dreams and their new understandings and relationships how did i do was that okay Perfect. did that refresh your memory
0: yes yes i read this book uh over a month before we we're recording it which was not my best idea <laughs> so, just so if i forget some things i'm so sorry you're just so on top of things <sighs> so many audiobooks. so on top uh, of things
1: that the pile has that it's now in the middle of pi- the pile of things that you're on top of <laughs> you yes have to dig it yes up. <laughs> i forgot to do initial um, reactions so will you go first
0: Yes, yes. Uh, I listened to the audiobook, and I really love this story. Yes, there was a lot of traveling, <laughs> but I love the magical world and the peak slash much better Alice in Wonderland vibes of the forest was really fun. I also follow Iona Gray on TikTok, and she does lots of really cool lessons about Black history outside of slavery on there, and I really enjoy that. So I was really excited to read something by this author. What did you think?
1: I really liked the book. I turned through it. I thought it was a page turner. Mm -hmm. I was invested in both of the characters. I love, love, loved, like you said, the jungle and all of the magical beings and fantastical scenery and all that stuff. I thought that was where the author really shined, um, was in that like particular area of the world world building. Yeah, I like the Alice in Wonderland vibes that you brought up. I didn't think about that, but it's very true. It was very like, ethereal and strange and like makes you question everything about the world and yourself and everyone you know yeah really um I thought it was a really good book I is this a part of a duology a series I think so okay Mm -hmm. um at least there's two I think the other one has come out right
0: I think so look I'm looking right now I even have it pulled up oh there's gonna be a third one so sorry
1: (laughs) oh so it's a trilogy
0: (laughs) at least (laughs) for now Yes, but Beasts of Ruin, the second book in the series, is out already.
1: Okay, thank you for the update. Mm-hmm, Research mm-hmm. that is important to do for our <laughs> folks out
0: there. Recommend if you like. Uh, I would say Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy Adiyemi, which we've done an episode on. The Lost Dreamer by Liz Huerta which we've also done an episode on and who reached out to us on Instagram and was super lovely and loved the podcast. So shout out to Liz Huerta if you are continuing to listen to the podcast. We love you. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, that's fun. Yes. Because it's not necessarily a podcast for authors, but so many readers are authors. And so yes. it's just a Venn diagram that, that works. And we love all y'all yeah. out there
0: yes um i forgot to add it but i was thinking about it like last night literally like in the shower i was like oh i should add this to the list is um zara and the wind seeker oh um, such a good one yes i forgot about that one that one also has a lot of traveling jungle vibes and it was like really good even though i didn't think i was gonna like it i did thanks gray for forcing me to read outside of my comfort zone <laughs> that's Nettie at cora for that's the only Nettie yes. we've done Hmm.
1: Hmm. okay yeah excellent good good call good call I um, put on there Hafsa Faisal's We Hunt the Flame and We Free the Stars series. Yes. Um, Especially because book one also fits into the very niche subgenre of enemies to lovers looking for something in the woods.
0: (laughs) Yes, that is. uh, Oh, my gosh. I just finished Talia Hibbert's latest book. It is also kind of friends to enemies to lovers doing stuff in the woods. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
1: We love love the subgenre. The woods make things. They turn everything on their head.
0: Yeah. Yes. Why did we choose this book? Beast of Prey has been circulating on social media for a while, and we love to include stories by Black authors on this show, always, not just during Black History Month. Which
1: is every month.
0: Yes. We always celebrate Black History here, and lots of other histories, too. And Black Futures, (laughs) and Black (laughs) Fantasy, and Speculative Fiction. Yes. We love it. But also I mentioned before that Ayana does some really cool stuff on TikTok and uses her space to educate on Black history across the diaspora, um, which I really love because I feel like we don't see a lot of that here, like from our U.S. perspective. So that's really cool. Let's talk about world building and through the wardrobe this story really incorporated some African mythology, probably much more than I realized since I'm not overly familiar. Um, But I thought that was really cool. Like the ginormous spider Anansu, which I think might have been like a nod slash reference to Anansi, who's like a storyteller and like the spider Anansu was also like telling stories and stuff. Um, So I just thought that was really cool. And I see, I think we see that a lot with like um, Tomi Adeyemi as well, including like um, African mythology or, mythology yes mythology um (laughs) that was why i recommended that one but i just thought that was really cool and i i just love to see it you know
1: a million bajillion percent i realize that that's one of the things that i always say to co-sign whatever you say because i'm just like (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like what jesse said except less eloquently Mm -hmm. and i also agree (laughs) jesse's opinion squared (laughs) the author's note really gets into it it's several pages long about um, the different, you know, things that have been integrated and, and, um,
0: I don't think I had gotten author's note in your audiobook. You uh, didn't get one. Yeah. All right. I'm going to p- get the book from the library. So you I want me to,
1: it. you want me to just read it? Yes. One second. It was under my microphone, Propping <laughs> <laughs> up my microphone
0: in Kelly fashion, <laughs> using books as tools for things other than reading. Like pressing
1: flowers. Oh, my God. So Mm -hmm. many flowers. (laughs) All right. Author's note. This is the second paragraph. I refer to Beasts of Prey as a pan-African fantasy because although Eshoza is not at all a real place, much of its influence and inspiration has been shaped by the very real continent of Africa. The decision not to focus on one region of Africa was a deliberate one. As a Black American woman, the reality is that I will never know exactly, or even approximately, where my ancestors lived and thrived prior to their capture. So this story honors cultures, mythos, and folklore from across different regions of the continent. It also explores the phenomenon of being the product of a forced diaspora. If you are familiar with African and African-American studies, you may have caught some of the subtle and overt references included in the pages of this story. But I feel here it's my due diligence to lay things out in no uncertain terms for those who may have questions. Yeah, it talks about like um, the reference like Satao Nkrumah, the like person who was wandering around in the past whose journal mm. shows up, whose paratext mm-hmm. I will mention because i mean Yes, me. of course. but like that's a portmanteau of Kwame Nkrumah who was a prominent Ghanaian scholar and political figure and then also Satao the Elephant which was a massive Kenyan amazing beautiful elephant so yeah like different nods to anti-colonialists and pan-African leaders is what she's saying and goes through all of it and mythological beings also like taken from the folklore African folklore like Groot slangs are from South African mythology wow the Yumboes come from the Wolof people of Senegal, like Umdeb tree, is like the Zulu lore from South Africa. Like there's so much. so That's It's so very cool. rich. It's really cool. So re- highly recommend.
0: Yes. On that note, I would also like recommend, not recommend if people want to do it, it's cool. Um, but I did a 23andMe and it was really cool to be able to do that and like find out where the black side of my family came from, because that is just like Ayana was saying like in the author's note like there's just no way to know and it like your people come from so many different places so that was really cool now I know some people do not want to give their DNA over to some big corporate company totally understand that but um, if that's something you're interested in I thought it was really cool and I really enjoyed being able to learn that information that I couldn't have had otherwise okay back to the book (laughs) back to the book we
1: have conjoining timelines of past and present, which is why I imagine you recommended The Lost Dreamer. Is that right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes.
1: So like that chronological thing was part of of the world building. When did you put that together? I felt like I put that together pretty early.
0: I think I did because I was kind of like, we are not seeing these two things overlap enough for it not to be (laughs) diverging timelines, which is fine. I'm okay with knowing that up front. Yeah, exactly.
1: We also have the Yaba and the Gede peoples. There's all sorts of conflict, prejudice, dialects, religious practices, hairstyles and clothes like it's all so well developed. Everything is yes. very nuanced. I just thought that, yeah, the world building was exquisite, like really yeah. from top to bottom, just really flushed out
0: yeah it was great i it was cool to see because i think we've talked about this in other episodes too like when this stuff is incorporated like these things are incorporated but not like overly explained um i really appreciate when an author does that so it's not like you know just like an info dump but it's like you can figure this out like just google it (laughs) the other
1: like big moment that happened that I was like I wasn't I went back and forth I waffled putting this in wands out versus like here (laughs) but the rupture which is when all of Mm -hmm. the like magic went underground and its consequences there's a really good quote from page 14 to 15 that like also gets into like how these moments reverberate throughout time and how the contemporary folks are experiencing you know the blowback essentially from Mm -hmm. from how the people who were there in real time like experienced it and it's tra- you know, like generational trauma is what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. um okay <laughs> so she kofi hadn't been alive a century ago when it happened but elders deep in their palm wine still spoke of it on occasion they were called the violent tremors that had splintered the earth like a clay pot the dead who'd strewn Lacasa streets in the aftermath they talked of relentless blistering heat that had driven men mad coffee and Every other child of her generation had suffered the consequences of that madness. After the rupture, her people, the Gades, had been dwindled down by war and poverty, easy to divide and regulate. And that's on page fourteen and fifteen. The the magic, the world building, it's all very tied together. Also in like the histories of the characters and how they're coming to their present and acting. Yeah, I just thought that it was like g- well developed. I don't know. I keep repeating that, but I'm just it, <laughs> just like want to give uh, you know all the credit where credit's due because it's not easy to weave all of these things together and make them all have a like a co-constitutive meaning you know where it's not mm-hmm. just like here's all these parts together put together into a fantasy story
0: yeah well and I think uh what you're like pointing out also like speaks to like what we think of like the African diaspora and how like people come in and like ruin things and like separate people and like you know prey on the land and take the land and like put the people who are already there uh, in positions of poverty and like divide people up in ways that don't make sense and cause more conflict. So I think like the book kind of deals with that a little bit. And so much as like making sure that we see how this happens, um, putting it in a fantasy world. So it's like maybe more accessible to young people. Um, and I like, I think that's a good thing to do like to kind of explain like how we, these things might happen in the real world.
1: Mm-hmm. And like the conditions are creative so that like people do these things to each other.
0: You yeah know. exactly
1: completely different note like a uh, total about face the sky garden mm-hmm. I was obsessed yeah
0: I should have known birds
1: <laughs> plants I'm there I co-sign a million percent like yes, yes I want a sky garden where can I get one
0: I can't believe neither of us put in the notes about that library probably because it was like an old oh my gosh. shitty library yes
1: <laughs> I do talk about I bring up hoarding knowledge later we could talk about that okay Come perfect there. Okay, perfect great
0: All right. In the meantime, let's discuss all things magic. So magic in this story is called the Splendor, which is just like such a lovely name for magic. Like it just has like this magical feel to the word that they use. And I really thought this was like so cute. (laughs) It's incredible how like the changing of one word
1: is like evokes so much that I feel like the concept of magic is trying to evoke, but has been Mm -hmm. almost like emptied of meaning you know mm-hmm. because it's been used yeah. so much or whatever but like splendor it 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 feels luminous it feels yeah. like i don't i yeah i was really like imagining all of the little like fireflies magical
0: particles exactly stuff. Yeah. Yeah. i'm like
1: oh my god <laughs> they're the gluons that hold yeah, the U universe the together <laughs> it's like all coming together it's literally quantum mechanics yes. i just i i loved how this was described i completely agree with you and then, so the Dharajas are the Splendor users or manipulators. I wasn't sure how they were called, like,
0: hmm. yeah, or how to, like, describe know. what
1: they do. They can, like, use, they have, they can access it, whereas most yeah. people cannot access it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems like even those who can sometimes access it can't access that much of it.
1: <laughs> and it's the whole, the, the point about being, like, a conduit, which we, mm-hmm. I think, saw in like legend born in blood mark with mm-hmm. like the root root craft, yeah. You know how about like it's you access it and then but it has to like run through you or else it's like too much for you're yeah, not supposed yeah. to like hold on to it and that is what then creates the shatane who we figure out yeah. is a dia, right? Yeah.
0: Speaking of which, we have lots of mythical beings in this story and like when we're at the like beginning of the story with um Kofi and she like works at basically what like I would call a zoo. I think I put this in Wanzhou because like they're magical animals, but it just made me think of like the unethical nature of zoos and like keeping big slash rare animals as pets, which I'm like not for, like I'm super against it. I understand zoos for like rehabilitation purposes, but other than that, like we don't need to be like caging up these animals. Like let them go home.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe the humans should control our friggin urban sprawl and (laughs) selves exactly control our societies and our leaders and stuff like that and put them in their place and be like we don't need to develop anymore we need to leave the forests Mm -hmm. so that they can Mm -hmm. be their magical selves out there where they're supposed to be exactly this is a sidebar about your comment when i was writing my show notes made me think of tiger king when i was like oh my god that has been it feels like forever forever
0: Because it was. That was like beginning of the pandemic. (laughs) I know. It's just like the,
1: the, that was over three years ago now.
0: Yeah. Almost three
1: years to the now now, to the day almost.
0: And I think it made me think of this because on TikTok sometimes I'll get videos where people are like interacting with big cats um, because I watch a lot of cat videos in general. Um, And I try not to interact with them because I never know if they're like a sanctuary who's actually helping the cats or if they're just like keeping them so people can take pictures with their babies, then they you know get rid of because they're dangerous when they get big but I think that made me like the tiger king like people you know taking pictures with these like baby lions that then get put down I was just like "Mm -mm, I'm not not no fan absolutely not (laughs) no cats belong in the wild
1: (laughs) and it's a perfect segue to knives out claws out (laughs) we're gonna talk about conflict villains and good and evil now because it's segued perfectly
0: it did uh i think men who want more power in this case magic like
1: the eye roll that jesse just did
0: (laughs) y'all you don't even know (laughs) i'm sorry but i'm also not sorry like stop wanting so many things be happy with what you have you have enough You're just going
1: to keep checking, chucking things into that void and it's not going to help.
0: Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm.
1: Yeah. The So this is the point where I wanted to bring up where how knowledge is hoarded, because like this, mm-hmm. this, your, your note totally made me think of like how the temple is where all of these things are physically kept so no one else has access to it except like your sanctioned mm-hmm. people in the temple and then also on top of that these archives are made accessible inaccessible linguistically because everything's written in an older language in this case old mm-hmm. zamani and then not translated into the vernacular so like only temple trained people who have access to be able to learn the language can access the knowledge contained therein so yeah libraries
0: yes they have their uses but they're also very very flawed <laughs> Especially like university libraries, which do not give like good access to people who are outside the university to like their archives or even just their materials or sometimes ask, you know, community members to pay to use them. Even as they take like tax dollars and stuff. So,
1: yeah. And on top of all that, it's pretty rich seeing as how a lot of those are land grant universities mm-hmm. and how <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the archives contained are often just like friggin' plunder from colonial, mm. yep. from colonialism and genocide, right? Yes. And so it's like stuff that shouldn't if be in the archives even anyway. they
0: include... Yeah, like if they even include the stuff from the people who were there before, which they often don't. So it's like an erasure of the people who were there, like the indigenous people's history, which is like ridiculous. Yeah, What Uh, a rabbit hole to go down. What a (laughs) rabbit hole. Indeed. Indeed.
1: (laughs) One thing that like stood out to me glaringly that I'm really glad was incorporated into the book is um, debt and incarceration. And how Mm -hmm. so like the night zoo is essentially a debtor's prison or jail, whatever you want to call it. And then prison right because it's people serving out longer sentences and yeah like people are inheriting their dead relatives debt and being Mm -hmm. criminalized and just like this stuff happens in the real world in america (laughs) you know like oh my gosh yeah i just i thought that this was really woven in very deftly into the story and gives like yeah just more substance to like the like why there are so why are there so many conflicts between yeah um you know these different these different groups and yeah I was just glad to see this in a fantasy novel I don't think I'd seen this like debt as no like a driving conflict force in a fantasy novel
0: before no I don't think we have like not in the ones that we've read at least um for the podcast yeah I appreciated this aspect because we are like kind of dealing with like those are real issues people have even though I think technically you're not supposed to have to pay for that stuff but like companies will still come after you so you know no you're right <laughs>
1: I would be remiss if I didn't put the sons of the six in here mm-hmm. I tried to be open-minded okay like community protection at the beginning mm-hmm. and everything like yeah. I try because like you know like armed community defense isn't necessarily like a bad thing you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I was fooled obviously because <laughs> me too <laughs> i mean i tried to suspend the disbelief but all i have my personal bias you know yes prejudice yes, yes. right and turns out the sons of the six are the, actually the ones creating the conditions of violence that are then used to justify the group's very existence yeah. and further militarization yeah. and that just is like yeah cops and military to the tee. Mm-hmm. and there's yeah. even this mo- the the moment where kofi kofi Mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. thank you sorry i just don't want to keep fucking it up kofi and Akan meet is like he's literally like a cop in training gonna go protect the quote-unquote property which is like what these indentured servants become under the contract yeah. that they have right under the system that exists so it's like yeah they they serve and protect property not people
0: yeah mm, sounds familiar <laughs> onward magical friends. Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. So we have this world without like overt racism, I would say, but we still see a lot of power dynamics taking place based on class. And there's indentured servants, which we mentioned, which we see happening firsthand with Kofi. And in that vein, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, we often hear discussion in our about something we hear discussion in our real world we don't really talk about generational poverty which we see with Kofi her father's debt falls to her as her father's child and I think we can kind of like extrapolate that to the real world and the ways that poverty can have an effect on more than one just like just the initial person and I think this can be particularly like can particularly affect communities where taking care of your family is expected of like newer generations which happens a lot in like marginalized communities where you're like kind of expected to take care of like your parents and your grandparents you know so on and so forth and I think through this story we can kind of see how that like works in this story to think about how it happens in the real world so again more about this like how debt can affect you for we often talk about like generational wealth but we don't talk about generational poverty and how that like poverty affects people for like multiple generations so i appreciate this aspect of the story a lot
1: yeah definitely and what i think you're you're totally getting at and that i would extend it to is like it's you're just connecting it to the point earlier about like the then embodied experience like how it's Mm -hmm. like more stress more like chronic illnesses more heart disease like because you're forced into like then places that have you know worse living conditions fewer resources yeah. all of that stuff you know and it all yeah. just compounds yeah
0: yeah um we also see ekon stimming he like does this counting thing and this thing with his fingers which i thought was interesting because i don't think we've seen that in any of our stories before Akon <laughs> reminded me
1: a little bit of malik from a psalm of storms oh, and silence mm-hmm. which i think would be another good read-alike yeah yeah the definitely like neurodivergence going on like a hundred percent it seemed like me you know just I, I just appreciated how we see a con understanding his own relationship to his body and stimming mm-hmm. and why it like is calming for him and then seeing him navigate like other people who where he has to mask essentially around them yeah right you know where he's like why are you doing that why are you counting that's so weird like you're crazy Mm -hmm. the c word is everyone's favorite favorite word to write people (laughs) off you know but then with it's so different with kofi where you know he feels like it's i can be myself like i don't have to mask and so yeah the Leah lakshmi Piepsna samra sinha and their new book that came out is um talks about has a section on the erotics of unmasking and how Mm. it's just like very intimate to be able Mm -hmm. to like and it's like obviously multi-layered with unmasking in the pandemic right that's the context that it's written and published in but also as an autistic person you know Mm -hmm. being able to be comfortable being yourself and not always feel like you're um like constantly surveilling yourself and feeling like okay how do I make the people around me comfortable by adjusting all of my behavior and doing what's quote-unquote normal or quote-unquote neurotypical you know
0: yeah i think her or them they i think
1: they use she her she they pronouns yeah oh
0: okay um i think that they and maybe sammy shulk wrote an article together about bell hooks's works Mm, yeah and kind of talking about like the commodification of like self-care um Mm, is this the audrey
1: oh. lord the yes
0: that one yeah it is sammy
1: shulk and someone else i don't think it's Leox me Pip in the summer okay. one, but those two are friends they show up in their own okay. in each other's acknowledgments <laughs> and i just love that for them <laughs>
0: I might have read like them in the same week in a like pedagogy class, but um I also like this because in that Audrey the one about the Audrey Lord and self-care, they kind of talk about the commodification of self-care and like the whiteness of self-care that we see as it's been commercialized. So to see like neurodivergence um in black people is not normal like in our society like we don't often see that like the face of neurodivergence, the face of disability, the face of queerness like all these things is always white so I appreciate having this in the story where we're like you know it's not just one group of people who has these things or is doing these things it's it happens to you know more than white people
1: <laughs> yep exactly it's uh, <laughs> who would have uh, thought <laughs> an experience across across all of these constructed differences that we've made for mm-hmm. ourselves
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about asexuality, sexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. I think you would put this in Kill Your Darlings, but I moved it up to Shipwreck. So, like, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're totally to like, right. <laughs> mess that up. If you I did don't even that remember writing
0: these notes. So, <laughs> who knows? It's a team effort. Um, it's a team effort. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I wrote in Econ and Kofi. I like ship them they're just so cute as they become friends and like Kofi is like not taking any of Ekon's bullshit at the beginning and it's just like oh so adorable and I loved it um and I ship them and I want them to be together and I want everything to work out but I'm real scared for them too
1: <laughs> yeah I think the adventures in the next book will be a proving ground right because I was wondering when the betrayal was gonna happen and they really left yeah. it till the end
0: Wait, I, okay, I just need a refresher, and maybe you don't remember either, but at the end, does something bad happen to Ekon, or am I thinking of Legendborn? No, I'm thinking of Legendborn. I think you're
1: thinking of Legendborn, because, like, <laughs> Ekon...
0: I meant Bloodmarked, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're thinking of that one, because, like, they're, like, like three quarters of the way through Kofi... Kofi? Oh my god. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm in my head you're about trying. it now. <laughs> Kofi and Adaya are taken, right? and Econ okay. does that and then he like breaks them out
0: okay okay
1: and then he finds out that the temple person has been drugging everyone and yes. killing okay. everyone and then it's not the Shatani's fault actually
0: okay good good okay I was like did he get taken at the end of something happened to him but now I realize I'm thinking of cell and blood Mark, which is funny because they're not even similar at all <laughs> no but something does happen I feel like they
1: oh my god here I have to get the book out from under my microphone again <laughs> oh shit it's falling
0: we're struggling today this is what happens when you take a break from recording because life events keep popping up <laughs> um
1: no the grandmother came out of the woodwork the grandmother oh, was a surprise yes. her mom's alive that's a yes a
0: surprise Aww. okay yes and like does kofi like she maybe goes with that guy who was like i've been around this whole time gotcha <laughs> i was uh, the guy
1: oh yes that's who she goes with thank you okay she, she yes she exchanges herself for adaya
0: okay all right cool Uh, we figured it out we figured it out with our powers combined (laughs) anyways you can move on to your
1: (laughs) anyways i'm putting my microphone back up there'll be a lot of editing maybe i just won't it'll just be a break the fourth wall kind of episode Um, you're welcome everyone (laughs) i also wanted to put on i enjoy talking about sibling relationships i think they're interesting and so we have Mm -hmm. ikan and his his older brother i believe kamanu we really see the the novel kind of dissecting or pulling apart these like this notion of brotherhood and mm-hmm. you know seeing where it's almost kind of used as like a catch-all to just make people be obedient and fall in line rather than yeah. like as like a substantive multifaceted relationship where one can be vulnerable and and there's intimacy allowed and and stuff it's it's more just yeah, it felt like kind of a microcosm of how your family can trigger you into, mm-hmm. like, old patterns of behaving and being, like, a people pleaser, which is in both mine and Econ's
0: <laughs> experience. <laughs> Don't worry, me too. Me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then also it made me extrapolate out further to, the like, how brotherhood is used by Sons of the Six in the novel, but also, like, how cops and military, like, the, the cop union is like a brotherhood. Exactly, fraternities, yeah. And just like encapsulated by page 55 father olufemi says quote you must always obey without question or hesitation and it's just like that's it in a nutshell and it's like where is i'm here for a like a uh i don't know a queer crip i don't know version of brotherhood where Mm -hmm. neurodivergence is okay and being a soft boy is okay and you know all these different things i think that i hope a con can find that somewhere and that we can have that somewhere in our real world yeah
0: (laughs) it also like make what you're talking about makes me think of like families and like parenting and a little bit and now I can only speak to my own parenting experience as having been a child not parenting um I only parent my cat and I would never do this but like this like um like I'm in charge you don't you do what I say you don't ask questions kind of thing and like how that just doesn't help with any kind of relationships that you form with like your parents and those kind of things so there's like no room for question or negotiation about how you want to live your life so I think we see that in like families in general but yeah I like that you met brought in like the cops in the military as well you can count on me <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy
1: that shit always
0: Speaking of killing, now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind And Kill Your Darlings. The section, I wrote nothing. <laughs> the segment in which
1: Kelly goes off about mm-hmm. multiple things. First off, we're going to start with the cover because I, it can help judge a book by its cover. I think there are a couple covers. Well, the one I have is a gorgeous black dust jacket with like, like that one. teal leaves and uh like a yellow snake and gorgeous like more black dust jackets, more black covers. Like it's gorgeous and all of the text like stands out beautifully. I feel like there's another one that's mostly green, right?
0: Oh wait, let me see yours.
1: Oh god damn it. (laughs) I mean yes here. here
0: (laughs) Okay, you're that there's that one. And then there's another one where like the leaves are like purplish pink. And then there's another one that I think has kofi and Econ on the cover oh okay i haven't seen that one i haven't seen that one either i don't know
1: i wonder if it's like depends on where they're released if it's an internet yeah like uk release or yeah or a paper oh yeah it's not new enough to have a paperback right
0: no i think um, it might be it's from t- t- 2021 <laughs> i yeah. almost said 2001 <laughs>
1: 2001 nope I don't Nothing. think we've read a book. I think Nadia Korofor's Zara the Windseeker is the oldest one we've read, and that was 2004.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep, for sure. Maybe it'd be interesting to go back. It wouldn't. We're going to find like. <laughs> it wouldn't. <trash. laughs> I love it. <laughs> like, no, it would not. not. <laughs>
1: okay, so back to the book that we're talking about today. The map, obviously. I love it. It's. I in- didn't
0: see a map. <laughs> Okay, here's the map. I'm putting the book on hold nope, right now. No, nope, here it I'm is. I'm going to make Kelly keep taking <laughs> out the book. <laughs> oh, that
1: is gorgeous. Sepia wow. tones, amazing, like...
0: Did you read it with a dust jacket on? Uh,
1: I did, yes.
0: Wow. Because Rebel. I didn't
1: bring it anywhere. Like, I don't go okay. anywhere. how <laughs> <Well>, that's true. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, so it was sitting on my ottoman and was oh. not... Not in a bag or anything like that, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's on mm-hmm. both sides, which is nice. Both the in the front, back, and, l- and the the front cover and the back cover, front back. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was just beautiful. And then also there's paratext, which I think I'm contractually obligated now to mention. I think so. It's like if, if a paratext shows up in a YA fantasy and Kelly doesn't mention it on their podcast, then doesn't even exist.
0: I don't think it does. I don't think it does. <laughs> All right, before we end, it's time for real talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way? Or did it make you interrogate a concept or system or trend that you hadn't before? Kelly, take it away.
1: <laughs> I'm going to use this section to evangelize about how cool plants are. Mm-hmm, and... Mm-hmm. uh kofi to ekon in the jungle is saying that not everything is written about written in books which is a good reminder for us Mm -hmm. folks who love books and love to read (laughs) um but yeah just like there's plant medicine all around so like she in the book is teaching him about Ponya seeds that are like anti-inflammatory and also a lot of protein and all these things that are yeah just incredible and that there's so much to know that the world is teaching is like just being itself all the time and there's so much to learn and then yeah, it's just I want to spend more time outside and with my plant friends. <laughs> I can't wait.
0: Yay spring! Yay spring! Are you ready for card questions? Um, let me just get my microphone set up one more time, and then yes. <laughs> Kelly's like hunching over their microphone, trying to like get us closer. <laughs> exactly. <as>
1: close. <laughs> I don't have like I need like an arm setup situation.
0: Hmm, You mean like the mic stand that I told you to get? Yeah, like that. But that I had and that I did
1: use, but then didn't fit on this desk for some reason. Anyway, Uh, I digress. Mine's on the floor. (laughs) I want to like put it into the wall. And so that I can just like.
0: Oh, yes.
1: I feel like that would be my level up.
0: Yes. Well, get your partner to do it. I'm sure that he can take care of (laughs) it. He definitely
1: can. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going to go unorthodox and shuffle them. Take them actually out of the box. Wow. We're probably going to get all this questions that we've answered like before. a year ago. <laughs> Ooh, then it's like drawing a tarot card. <laughs> Just do a little spread. What would the main character have been like in a different time or place?
0: Mm. I feel like in our time, Kofi would probably somehow would be used in such a way to violate child labor laws. <laughs> And trying to get out of that and help her family because her like mom ends up in the hospital and they have like huge bills from that. And it would be terrible. And her and Econ are going to go on a bank heist to save them and dismantle the police.
1: <laughs> I would read this novel. Yes, it just keeps getting better. And then they take okay. down single-handedly NATO and the military-industrial yes. complex.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the healthcare system. They I fix believe it in all. them. I believe in them. Okay, me too, me too. Imagining different futures over here
1: the how did the characters change from the beginning to the end of the book me
0: mm-hmm. mostly just econ do you think
1: you'll ever reread this book
0: not because i didn't enjoy it but uh there are too many books on my tbr i hardly ever reread anything now yeah <laughs> what about you
1: same as it's not personal no no like i wouldn't rule it out no like if i have decades left to read i might revisit mm-hmm. it but i don't know
0: Y'all come out with books too fast now. I just cannot keep there are up. so many of you writing amazing things. Like how yeah. do we keep we can't. We can't keep up. I can barely keep track of them all.
1: <laughs> this is a drop in the bucket over here.
0: Yes. Would this story make a good movie? A hundred percent it would.
1: Yes. We love a jungle movie. Mm-hmm. Like i a, I'm a thinking forest. Black
0: Panther vibes. Oh <gasps> yeah. Ryan Kugler. Can can he direct this movie? I think he could.
1: I'm I'm here for it. Yes. Alright, one more question.
0: Yeah, one more question. It says, What is the main
1: character most loyal to? I think we can change that to what are the main characters most loyal to. I think Kofi is a little bit further in being loyal to like listening to her own intuition and embracing mm-hmm. her own power. You're a little further on that journey. And Econ Kind of the answer the how what you kind of hinted at it like how he changed over the course of the novel right at first he's more loyal yeah. to this group that he feels like he needs to belong to be a part of and fall in line. And then he changes to being more loyal to like his moral compass and mm-hmm. like the relationships that he can actually be himself in. Perfect. That's a great answer. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Library Coven. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of The Final Strife by Sarah El Arifi. As always, we would love to be in kin- conversation with y'all. You can find us on Instagram by us. I mean, mostly Jesse. <laughs> and we're not really on Twitter because it's a trash fire Hellscape. over there. <laughs> but yeah, you could also comment and then it would be a change from a spam comment on our website.
0: Yes. You can also subscribe to the Library Coven on the podcast app of your choice. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other people out there. I always love when I see our podcasts and people's Instagram stories. Uh-huh. Please tag us in all your things. It and makes me so all Twitter faded. Get the dopamine rush. <laughs> yes. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee. You can support us monthly on Patreon or by shopping at our bookstore.org affiliate page. Until next time, stay magical.